morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. Good morning, Stacey. How are you? Morning, John. I am doing well. I am sitting in uh, North Carolina with balmy 79-degree weather hitting us today, so getting ready to, to take off on a couple of trips this week uh, or next month, this month, but, but home this week and enjoying some nice weather. And how about you? It, it, I saw pictures from California of snow this week. Is that still there? <laughs> Oh man, you, you know, you know, I've been here 25 years and I've never seen snow before. And, and from my house, so we sit in this valley, and there are mountains on either side of the valley. And one of the far mountains has a snow cap, and it's it's wild. I think it's probably gone today, but but for you know six or seven minutes, there was snow on my windshield the other night. And I and I woke up yesterday morning, and there was. There was this icy stuff on the car. It took a while to get the window so you could see out of it. And I think I think we almost had to declare a national emergency. I, I wouldn't doubt uh, it. Yeah, I'm sure people were sort of trying to figure out what the heck do I do with this stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure well, many credit well, cards were bent trying to scrape off ice. But believe me, I've seen that here in North Carolina. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's advanced uh, advanced ice removal. Oh, yeah. Um, the I've never seen this before. I don't know what to do. You don't get to the MacGyver stage of uh, using your credit card to take about until you know that that's possible, right? That's, yeah. That's, we're we're more primitive than that. Um, we're at the holy crap! I can't see out of the car stage. So I just can't go anywhere now, huh? Yeah. Yep. Well, well, hopefully it is getting back to normal. You were, I mean, I suppose snow is better than all the fires you guys are dealing with. So on a positive note, but yeah, it's definitely a, is that going to have an impact on the, on the wine country? Cause that's up in that area. Did they get touched by all that? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, all crops have some sort of response to a freeze and yeah. they, there are heaters in the, in the vineyards to keep the air right above the, the vines from, mm. from getting frostbitten. But I, I don't know what happened. You know, we've got a couple of new baby rose bushes that are waiting to go in that have a couple of nut, brown leaves now because it, it didn't yeah. ever really get down to freezing. But it got, under, it got under 40 by 2 or 3 degrees, and it was frightening. We didn't have enough quilts. I <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. Believe me, I think North Carolina is getting a little bit more used to it because we've gotten more than they have in the previous years. But yeah, it's, and then you're like, oh, those fireplaces actually are something for more than pretty pictures, right? <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what's going on in the news? Well, it's been a busy week in the HR tech space. There's no doubt. Probably the biggest news I think that everybody's been talking about is that Ultimate Software is has announced an agreement to be acquired by the investor group uh, led by Hellman and Friedman, which is the same investor group that had taken Kronos private, which we were just talking about a few minutes ago. So that, that's going to be really interesting. That's going to be an $11 billion deal at uh, $331.50 per share for the shareholders, which many of which are employees. So we can definitely talk about that today. You know, I, I know the you know Super Bowl is a bit over for everyone, and it was definitely kind of a, a sad Super Bowl. But I thought it's worth mentioning that one of the major ads this year was from a from a HR perspective. We always see one or two sort of HR companies, you know, at the big monster dot com back in the day, right? Conversation, but the big sort of ad this year was a job search for veterans by Google, 
So I thought that was an interesting topic, might be worth having a conversation about, you know, is that Google wasn't just sort of saying Google us and, and do job search, but was actually promoting their talent technology tools as job capability uh, finding uh, areas. We have a couple of organizations getting some funding. There's a, a London HR tech startup called Distributed at 1.7 million, which I thought was really interesting because it's doing what we would call elastic team scheduling or elastic team development. Um, we can talk a little bit about that. And then a uh, Houston B2B tech startup got a 7 million in Series A funding, and that's called GoCo. I think I'm saying that correctly, or GoCo or GoCo. But the thing that really caught my eye is that they're already up to 6,500 companies in their application. It's just a core HR, some talent, some onboarding and workforce management. So we're starting to see these small guys again breaking out. Some interesting input from the Symphony talent and the candidate and recruiter experience are connecting uh, for, for Workday clients. So Talent Market Platform delivers Basically, they're connecting to the Workday Recruiting Applicant Tracking System. You probably know more about that than I do. I don't know Symphony Talent as well. We also have HireVue, hiring the first HR technology company to create an expert advisory board to guide continued ethical AI development. Now, we saw an ethical officer not too long ago, but this, I think, is an advisory board in that space. Um, and then if we get time, there's a lot of conversation about diversity right now. Pixar launched a short on a toxic work cultures, Red Thread and Mercer announced their new research uh, launch of a diversity and inclusion technology report, which I thought was really interesting that we should probably maybe talk a little bit about. So busy week, lots of stuff to talk about. Where do you want to start? Do we want to start with Ultimate? Oh, uh, well, let's actually start with the diversity stuff and then go to Ultimate, because the okay. diversity stuff is pretty interesting. Stacia Gar and Danny Johnson, who used to be the heart of Burson's research team, um, have branched out and started their own business, and this is the first product. Yep. They've, they've partnered with Mercer to deliver a study about diversity technology, and um, that, that's a pretty exciting move, and, it, and it's wonderful to see them doing serious work out in, in the analyst world where the, the product is not always serious research. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times we see, you know, opinions or perspectives on what's happening in the market without some real numbers. And and what was really nice to see from Stacia, not surprising at all, and, and Danny, is that, you know, they really went in and, and looked at the market with a, a counting and numbers and percentages. Those are things that I think are really important. So they're looking at a global market size of approximately $100 million in diversity and inclusion alone. The majority of the surveyed DI uh, diversity and inclusion technology vendors are small with less than 50 employees, less than four years old, which I thought was really interesting. And they're looking at the fact that, you know, most of these organizations, about 43% of them are in the talent acquisition space, followed by analytics, 26%, and then Development and advancement and engagement and retention is sort of the remainder group. And I thought that was really, we, you know, a lot of times we, we think about these big categories as just being diversity and inclusion, but those diversity and inclusion sort of tools then fit into other categories in HR. And so I thought that was sort of a nice analysis they had done. So, yeah, I mean, this is starting to create sort of the, the I guess, the the if you want to call it the nomenclature or the definition of what diversity and inclusion is inside of organizations. Question is, is you know, do the tools do what we need them to do? Is this the beginning of something, or is this have we actually gotten to the to center point of what that market's going to look like? Do you think? 
Oh, it's way early. It's way early. I don't think we even really know what diversity and inclusion means. You know, there's there's some there's some sort of blunt, primitive notions that are that are are, are not much more than extensions, affirmative action ideas. You know, the the, the the early civil rights legislation. So so diversity and inclusion has its roots as a compliance issue, right? Yep. And it's not really. It's 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 in its fullness, diversity and inclusion is a strategy for building a whole and healthy company. Heather Bussing from the from the HR Examiner is doing a webinar today with Cornerstone on how to make um, diversity and inclusion operate as a, a, a healthy input rather than a compliance problem. But that's where we are right now. The, 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 the stuff still is tainted with compliance when the, the question is, how do you build a safe, harassment-free workplace where opportunity is evenly distributed and the, the best people get get um, move forward, and, and that, that's where the, the, the rub is, I think. Well, and this is, this is I think, what's going to be really interesting um, is to see how some of this translates. So, so one way to look at how it's translating is the Pixar take on toxic work cultures. I, I saw this, and I've, I've heard about it, but I hadn't got a chance to watch it, so I took some time to watch it this morning. I don't know if you've seen this yet, John, but uh, Disney's Pixar, and, and Pixar, we should note, is you know, the organization that, you know, had their founder, Lassiter, who had to take leave because he was basically implicated in allegations of sexual misconduct in, in November of 2017. So this is a, an organization that has some history here. But they put out this, this short that at first I was trying to decide, should I be offended by or should I really embrace? Uh, there was two sides of it, but it was a a representation of what it's like to walk into a bro company, if you want to call it. It had all the stereotypes you could possibly imagine. The female was represented as a a ball of of uh, a ball of you know yarn who was pink, nonetheless. This <laughs> culture of all men, which was in you know the the finance industry, at least that's the way it seemed. You know, high testosterone environment. And they kind of showed how that worked through with her sort of becoming like everyone else and then a new person coming in who was like her and does she be like them or, or take the low road. It was it was a, an interesting story. And to the end of it, I appreciated the approach that it's about changing the culture of the whole organization. That was the, the final message. But um, this is sort of, I guess, the, the consumerized version of diversity. Is that what you call it? Right? Well, that's... That's interesting. I think I think education is a big part of this, right? The dominant cultures, a lot of places, don't really have a clear picture of of how hard it is to become part of the world when you don't look like the people who are at the heart of the dominant culture. And so, so that's the stage that we're at in in the evolution of this idea set. Is we're just now starting to be able to explain what it feels like. Yeah. And you can't really get to the next horizon line until there's a relatively shared understanding of what it feels like and an understanding that that's bad for business. And that, and that, it's, that it's just bad in general for human beings who are trying to sort of live their lives, right? So that, that there are benefits on both sides. 
Yeah. So, so it's, I think it's an interesting, we're going to see more of this. We're going to see um, more, I think, of this get into the mainstream, right, conversations. And it's good to have some real data around it. So, so very excited to see Stacia and uh, Danny's work uh, continue to grow in this space. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about it um, as, they, as they continue to get it out. So, yeah. Yes. So I loved, I loved your take on Bryn Kennedy stepping down. Bryn Kennedy is a vibrant CEO of a company that is called Topia now, and, and I forget its I forget its original name. But she move had guide. the yeah. move guides, move guides. Yeah. She had she had the what I thought was a a near nonsense idea of automating the relocation process and yeah. <laughs> and turning it into an enterprise business, and it turned out that that she was way right and I was way wrong. And she built this juggernaut of a, of a company and she is stepping away from being the CEO. It, it doesn't really talk about why, but she's being replaced by a white guy. And, and I didn't think about it that way. You mentioned that and I went, oh, oh, yeah. isn't that interesting? Well, and I think for me it hit me because I followed Bryn since the beginning. Like the first, I mean, I met her, I think you know early on, within like the first year or two of 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 the work that she was doing, she was one of the first companies I started to follow after I had sort of left the person world. And I just, I really thought she was not only innovative and thought differently. She was very business savvy. I felt, and she, and she's been a real advocate for the voice of females as CEOs and executives and leaders in their organizations, right? Um, and I see this so often, and, and, and it would be interesting, I, I, you know, maybe some of our friends, and maybe this is a, a great conversation to, to ask Asia to follow, how many times we see small businesses that are started by, by female entrepreneurs, right? When they get to a certain level, and, and this organization has definitely gotten to a certain level, you know, the, the leaders are replaced. Now, I, don't know Sean Farshi all that well. Um, I know he's been in the industry for quite some time. He's 30-year technology engineer, probably extremely, you know, well-suited for this new role to take Topia from sort of the industry and the level that it is now at, you know, a $32 billion market that they've been working in. But it was just, it was, it was sad to me to say that they didn't make the extra effort to maybe find someone, uh, you know, on the female side to replace her, to to sort of continue to add to that. I guess the the thing that Topia has done in the market, they have have elevated a voice that we often don't see, right? Right, right. Well, the world is changing, and maybe this little teeny bit of coverage will help. That's right. Moving on, <laughs> Ultimate went private, or Ultimate is in the process of it's doing process. private, and so yeah. and so all of my friends at Ultimate all of a sudden have really fat bank accounts, and and. <laughs> I'm going to start. I'm going to start writing them emails asking for loans. I think. Exactly. <laughs> well, and that was probably my first thought when I heard about this. So, so ultimate's being taken. You, you um, need a loan? Yeah, yeah. Me too. No, not, not that I need a loan. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although that's always helpful in some cases, but no, no. That that you know, ultimate has been a unique organization where they have given every employee who started the company some level of shares in the organization early on. So, the, so unlike some other organizations where only the top, you know, percentage, like, you know, the, the executives and above or the senior leaders and above, right, get, uh, you know, buy-in into the company, this has been everybody from, you know, the secretary at the front door to the, you know, employee who works 
you know, in the, you know, testing centers, I mean, they've got shares very out of, you know, um, vocal about the fact that he wanted everybody to have, have some buy-in into the company, right? And that's probably a little bit more of a Silicon Valley perspective, right? But definitely a little bit different on the East Coast, which is where they're located at, which is in, you know, in, the, in Florida. So, I, you know, this, I thought, wow, is this going to, are we going to see some turnover then once, you know, this happens, right? Because people will have cash in their hands from perspective, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how that'll go, but I raised the question with the, with the team at, at Ultimate, and they're, they're going to continue giving people equity. They're not changing that. They're not okay. changing that, but it's not, it's not public stock, so it's a little harder to understand what it's worth. But, but they haven't decided to stop giving people equity. They're just cashing out right now and moving into a slightly different mode. The, the larger questions for, for ultimate sake, and, and time will tell, and, and it's a long game, is, is will they be able to continue their, what I think is extraordinary development. They have figured out how to convert their investigation of artificial intelligence into something that supports their primary value, which is that companies should be built on the voice and participation of employees. Um, and so, so that's, that's a robust, research-rich question set that they have been pioneering with. And, and my question is, can they, will they continue that? And the good news is that's the question that I spend a lot of my time looking at. So I'll, I'll, I'll be able to, to keep you up to date on how that's going. And, and, I, and you know, there's been a lot of conversation about why are they doing this, right? Um, I don't know if they answered that in, in some of the uh, interviews that, that they had. I mean, the, the speculations of the market has been, you know, they're, they want to do this because they want to get into doing more services or they want to do this to sort of be able to replatform, which is a, a huge expense to the market. And to do that, you have to sort of almost pull yourself out of the public domain to be able to invest in that without the market looking bad at it. You know, there's also been some question as to whether there's some debt they need to address. I don't know. Did they mention anything at all as to as to what the the driver was behind this, John? So the the current story, and I think I think that 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 this is one of those stories that we'll get a better understanding of over time. But the current story is being forced to be accountable to the street on a quarterly basis was getting in the way of their serious growth. And, and that makes I've seen that. That makes sense to me because if your stock price varies, so, so they bought a, um, a French company at the end of last year, and, and the integration had a different outcome than they thought it would. And, and if, you, if you're in the public markets and, and there's a blip in your sales trajectory because you're trying to do something smart, the stock price gets punished, and, and so this is a reaction to that. And my guess is that this is because Scott Share is like this. He's he's actually a visionary guy, and and he's at the front end of a pack. I, I think a lot of companies, particularly tech companies, are going to go private because the market doesn't understand what it actually takes to manage. And and when you when you manage to meet the market's demands. Um, you make stupid mistakes. Yeah. So, that, so and, go ahead. 
Well, no, I was going to say, I mean, I, I think that and the way that, the, that we value stock company or, or tech companies, right, it particularly is tough. Um, the idea that we can't have the same valuation for them as we do for service companies and a lot of technology that's done well has services in it is, you know, I think to me is part of the problem in that space, right? Right. Right. And so I'm excited to see how this evolves. And I'm sure there's a, the, you and I are both going to their you know, user conference. And yep. I'm sure this will be the talk of the user conference. Yeah, we'll have more updates for everyone on that. Yeah. But, you know, yep. you know the, the tech market's big and hot and recruiting is even more big and hot these days. So there's a, there's a couple things going on in the recruiting space. A lot of investment being done here like the London HR tech company called Distributed that's got a, a group called Elastic Teams Models. And then we also had the, the Super Bowl ad from Google saying that they're, they're the actual recruiting company you should be working with. You know, is recruiting changing or is, is this just, again, another round of recruiting is always at the forefront of what's happening in the market, right? Well, recruiting is always at the forefront of the market and recruiting gets visible when unemployment gets low. You know, recruiting goes from being a filtration question to a hunting question when unemployment is as low as it is. The thing that Google's doing is pretty astonishing. The challenge for veterans is that the way that their jobs are described and conceived inside of the military is not how those same jobs are described and conceived outside of the military. So it's very difficult for veterans to transition easily into the um, commercial economy. And people have been trying for years to make intelligent tools that effectively map military skills to um, non-military environments. And Google's claim here is that they've cracked that nut. And, yeah. and it's, it's a very, very challenging and important nut to crack that people have been, I'm aware of efforts as, as old as 40 or 50 years ago where people have been trying to solve this problem. So, so assuming that they wouldn't go on TV and claim to have done something that they haven't done, which might be a big assumption, um, um, <laughs> this is a big deal. Yeah. This is a big deal. This this suggests that Google is ready to compete in the recruiting marketplace. That's what I got out of it. That that's you know this flashed across the screen. Of course, the people around me who had no clue, you know, or no care about HR, were sort of like you know not paying attention. But you heard the ah, oh, you know, working for veterans. That's great to see. Kind of comments, right? But you know, my thing, my radar was like, oh, Google's coming out on a big big stage saying they they can be your recruiting tool, you know, in, in, a, in a certain niche area space right now, right? But, you know, they weren't just talking about use us to do a search. They were talking about use our tools and our tools will be better at helping you translate this this stuff that's going on in the military numbers and, and, and definitions to what you need in your businesses and jobs. That's what that uh, commercial was about. And I thought, wow, that's something big. To me, it felt... But I, but I, did, I haven't heard anybody else mention it this way. So, so I wanted to sort of bring it up because I, I don't know that anybody else is seeing that. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't know who else is seeing it that way. This is, you know, the, the, the veteran to commercial transition is not a problem that most people focus on. Right? Yeah. And, 
I love the fact that they tackled this first. It's a smart place. To, it's a smart place to to really start demonstrating what you can do. But it isn't it isn't sort of the mainstream of recruiting, and so no. that's probably why people aren't talking about it like this. Yeah. So so we also have organizations who are putting money into organizations that are doing elastic team hiring. So have you the the idea of elastic team hiring, if I understand this correctly, is that you hire a team, but you're actually hiring a project manager who can move people in and out of the team to do the job, which to me sounds more like you're hiring a contractor who has a team of people who support them. Is Have you heard anything like this? You know, Do you know of this distributed organization out of London at all? All I can think of is, you know, we were talking about Pixar's Pearl earlier. Now I've got now I've got a picture of a cartoon with rubber bands working for a lead rubber band. Exactly. The Gumby visual, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's an elastic team, right? Or, or maybe, maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking of underwear. I don't know, but it's elastic. Yeah. And, and I have no idea what that means. I have I have no idea what that means in practice, but 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 maybe you're right. Maybe this is sort of a gig economy for larger professional settings. Yeah, and and it's focused on the tech industry. So so that's right now all they do sourcing for is for technology companies and technology skills and jobs. So that obviously has its own different unique qualities to it. But it, it was the first time I, I've seen something where we're starting to see this idea of sort of the team as part of the higher, you know, we, we've seen that in different connotations, but it's always been like a whole team. This is a, sort of a, a flexible team, which gets even more, I guess, hard to figure out. I, so well, they're, well, they're you, trying to you know, work so through if it. You've, if you've got a real project management environment and you're doing modest sized projects, this wouldn't work on a large engineering thing with a thousand people on the project team, but if you've got 50 people on the project team and the project manager actually knows what the work is that each of those people have have to do, so it's more like a construction project to the extent that low-end tech can be understood as something like a construction project, then, then this is interesting because being able to get the right expert at the right time for the right money and not have them on the game for longer than they need to be is how you keep costs in line in yeah. in small, compact technical projects. And it's really hard to do. So if they can if they can do that uh, with this tool, Yahoo. And they have MasterCard amongst their clients, so it's it, they're they're dealing with substantive technical problems. Yeah. It'll be it'll be real interesting to see what this is. Yeah. So there, there, you know, and and I think you know we've got just a, a minute left in our time. I, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about in the other recruiting space is Higher Views hiring its first HR technology company to create the um, or it is the first HR company to create an expert advisory board to guide continued ethical AI development. What do you think about this? Is I mean, we, we've seen the AI development chief officer, right? The, the, the ethical officer that was started by one of the large Silicon Valley businesses earlier. I think it was Salesforce.com. I'm not sure. But what do you think about a board now being put in place for someone like HireVue? Well, 
You, you know, Higherview, Higherview has been the leader in the industry in learning to understand all of the ethical issues associated with with having machines do various forms of assessment and judgment about who's good and who's not good, right? That's their that's at the core of their business, and they they moved from being a video interviewing company to a company that harnesses video data to do assessment. And there are all sorts of tricky parts of that, and and they're smart to have a. Um, an advisory board. This looks like the beginning to me because it's a kind of a narrow focused initiative. But 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 I I talked briefly with the folks at Higherview and they're planning to expand this out. It's the right idea that there's a forum that considers cases and brainstorms about what the ethical boundary should be. I expect you'll see more of this. Yeah, yeah. I was actually quite pleased to see this. I mean I think you're right. Higherview has what could be some of the most cross-the-line, if people want to call it creepy HR stuff, right, if you looked at it that way. But I think they've, they've always taken a really good perspective on the fact that, yes, there's areas here where, where we're maybe getting to a point where it's a difficult conversation. But if we don't have them, someone else will have them, and they may not have the same level of respect for it, right? And I've always felt they've had a pretty good level of respect for what's going on in the in the recruiting space here. And so this is good to see. So I, I'm, again, another place to watch, another organization to sort of keep an eye on what they're doing with this advisory board. So I, we have whipped through our 30 minutes already, John, and we've, I feel like we've just touched the, the, the tip of the iceberg on what happened this week in the HR tech space. So definitely a busy week. Yep. It, it was a wonderful conversation, Stacey. Thanks, as usual, for doing this. And Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really love having you on board. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sutzer. Stacey, this is our 206th show. Wow. We're getting ancient now and very we experienced. <laughs> we are. Lots of experience, lots of, lots of good conversations. And I think the thing I always love is when people come up and say that we make them laugh, uh, our, our banter back and forth. So uh, hopefully people are continuing to enjoy both the news and the laughter. So. <laughs> Yeah. See you next week, everybody. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Bye. -bye. Bye.